And we'll move on to our scripture reading, which is Matthew 21, 1 to 11. And if you want to follow along in the Red Bible in the pew, it's page 826. So Matthew 21, 1 to 11. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowds spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds then went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. So it feels like, at least to me, like we've been in Lent for a long time. Is anybody with me on that? Feels like we've been in a Lent series for a while, and especially the last few weeks when I've had the honor of preaching, um, I've gotten up here and talked about this theme of returning our hearts to God. Returning our hearts to God in this Lenten um, season. And we have fasted together and prayed together and learned to wait together, to lament um, together. Um, and I've been encouraged by talking to many of you who have been fasting from food and really trying that, that practice. And talking to many of you who have been, we've encouraged you to, to tackle a certain thing in your life that is keeping you from God. And so many of you that I've talked to have talked to me about your personal fast and things that you are working through and battling and turning to God to deliver you from um, in this Lenten season. But it's finally almost over. We have made it to Palm Sunday. Um, and this morning we get to look at this story of Jesus. Um, as Jesus gets closer to the end of his, his journey on earth, his, his earthly ministry, um, we get to look at this really interesting short story um, about a week before Easter. Um, would you pray with me as we enter and study this together? Dear God, thank you for your love. God, thank you for your story of how you have loved us and taught us um, of how you can deliver us from sin, deliver us from our failures, how you love us and offer us forgiveness. Um, I just ask today, God, that you would let us take a breath and to remember that we are loved. Um, and I ask, God, that you would speak to us through this story, um, that you would use this, this beautiful, interesting story 
um, to challenge us, to encourage us about who Jesus is, and I ask that we would worship you um, as we hear this story. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so as we start this story, I actually want to go back to the Christmas story for just a moment, all the way back to Matthew chapter 2, because there's this interesting little phrase and idea about Jesus, about the King of the Jews, and about Jerusalem way back in Matthew chapter 2. Um, and Matthew chapter 2 talks about Jesus being born in the days of King Herod, um, and Herod is a little worried. Remember this part? Herod is a little stressed out because he hears about a king of the Jews being born. Um, in verse 3, Matthew 2, 3 says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. So there's these rumors of a king of the Jews being born, and it says not just Herod, but it says Jerusalem as a whole was troubled hearing about this king of the Jews that was being born. And I tell that story because today we tell the story around 30-something years later when this king of the Jews who was born and who lived is now returning back to this same city that was worried. The same city that was worried and this Herod who was worried. Jesus is coming back to this holy city of Jerusalem after years of ministry. And this is a beginning of a shift in the course of Jesus to the last week of his life um, as he heads back to this holy city. I want to remind us of the context this morning. Israel is under Roman occupation and they have been waiting for a Messiah for a long time. Right? They have been waiting for a true king for a long time. So they have these stories of kings way back in their history. Kings like David, when God was with them and everything was okay and they were powerful. And now they've been waiting and waiting for a real king again. They've been waiting for a Messiah, someone who would, would save them. They've been waiting and praying and waiting for this Messiah to come back. And while they're waiting for a Messiah, this season, as we tell the story of Jesus coming on a donkey, is Passover season. So this was right before Passover. And for, it, for Jewish or Israelite people, this Passover was a sacred, very incredibly special, sacred time. So Jews from all over the country, and even outside of Israel the country, would drop whatever they were doing, drop whatever job they had, whatever their family was working on, and they would walk to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And at Passover, they would celebrate how God delivered their people out of slavery in Egypt. And they had these beautiful stories they would look back on of Moses and of God doing miracle after miracle after miracle to deliver his people. And as they cried out to him, God delivered them out of Egypt, out of Pharaoh, out of slavery, and they were able to leave through these miracles. So they would come and they would celebrate Passover all together. And I want you to imagine Jews from all corners of the known world walking towards Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. So this city that was an urban center and had plenty of people now had all these people coming, trying to find somewhere to sleep. It says they would even like expand the city and people would be sleeping on the nearby hillsides. And there would be an energy about deliverance, an energy about remember when God saved us way back then. And he saved us from this. And now we're under Roman occupation and we're remembering this story from our history. And so imagine all these people coming to celebrate this Passover and to feast and to celebrate together. Um, and then Jesus comes right at this time. The, the uh, history says that the Romans would actually send a lot of additional soldiers to Jerusalem 
because sometimes at Passover, this energy and this, this hope for deliverance would bubble up. People would get excited. Movements would happen, right? People would start saying provocative things. So Romans already were worried, okay, here's the big energy of these Jewish people. Let's make sure we got plenty of extra soldiers as this big energy and all these people are coming into Jerusalem. I want to show you a map to set the scene a little more. So that's a map of Israel at Jesus' time. And if you look up to the, the top, that little Sea of Galilee, the little white sea, um, it says Galilee right there. That's the part of Israel that Jesus was from. Sometimes we can think Israel was like a monolithic country, right? That everyone was the same. But imagine California, imagine our country. We have different people groups, different ideas, different cultures, different political ideas in our country. And Israel this spot up in Galilee was where Jesus basically lived his childhood, and for a lot of his ministry, a lot of his teaching was way up in that Sea of Galilee region. Now, Jerusalem is way down. You can barely see it, but see where it says Judea down there? Um, Jerusalem is down there, and that's the big city and the big urban center, the center of power, the center of worship. This is the place that got nervous when they heard about another king coming. So imagine Jesus being from way up here, and in that time period, People from way up in the Galilee were like from out there. You know what I mean? When we talk about, oh, they're from like, we were, we were joking of what I could say, not offend anybody, right? But like, they were from Bakersfield. I don't know. Like, like they were from like way northern Canada in the middle of nowhere. Like that was, that was out there, okay? Those were like country people. Jerusalem, these were city people, people who had power, people connected to who ran the worship center in Jerusalem. This was Pharisees and these people leading things in Jerusalem. So I want you to imagine Jesus being from up here, and Jesus, as he's teaching and doing his ministry, a crowd is gathering, okay? He's healing people. He's telling these beautiful parables. People are compelled by his stories about love and who God is and the kingdom of God. So he's, a crowd is growing and growing and growing as his ministry goes, and now this crowd is following Jesus as he walks towards Jerusalem, and does some more ministry, and then walks farther towards Jerusalem. Matthew 20 says that he left Jericho. Jericho's just above Jerusalem. Matthew 20 says that he left Jericho with a large crowd, and they're walking towards Jerusalem. So now that the scene is set a little more in your mind, hopefully, I want to read this again, Matthew 21. Let's just read the first five verses. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you. Immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So imagine this crowd with Jesus from way out there, walking, and they come across, and they're getting close to Jerusalem. They can see it. It's right there. And Jesus tells two, hey, go up and get a donkey for me. I say, okay. He says, no, you just get it. Here's how to do it. Just go get it. And they go ahead to get it, and the crowd is walking. Um, and it actually says, if, you're paying, if you pay attention to this, I actually just noticed this, studying this recently, that he says, go get two things, like a donkey and a colt, and it's kind of confusing if you're paying attention. Um, but it basically, the idea is Jesus probably actually rode on a colt, a small, the child donkey, and they would need the mother donkey to be with the colt so the colt could actually walk and be okay. So that's kind of the, the description of the whole donkey thing, because it's kind of 
confusing when you read it. So he's not even on a donkey. He's on the colt, like the little donkey, with the mama donkey walking on the side as they walk towards Jerusalem. Okay? And this was to fulfill from Zechariah 9.9. Way back in this story of God and humanity in Israel, Zechariah 9.9 said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So way back in this story, there's this idea and these Jewish people knew their scriptures. They knew the Torah. And they had this idea that this king is going to come, and the king is going to come again, and we're waiting for a king, and he'll come um, on a donkey, which makes, in some ways, very little sense, but it also makes everything sense in the Bible. He would come on a donkey. So now I want to read the next few verses, 6 through 11. So the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So we have this prophecy that Jesus steps into from Zechariah of a king. And then we have the time period being Passover and the people aching for deliverance, for freedom in this moment. We also have some other historical things I want to point out that Jesus steps into that most of us don't know because we didn't live back then. But in their time period, as they saw Jesus, they would have also known some other history. Um, about 200 years before this time period, um, Israel was in a similar position uh, they were, had big armies around them, and it was the Greeks back then. The Greeks were taking over, and they were worried about their worship. They were worried about the Greeks coming in and taking over Jerusalem and their temple. Um, and there was a family, uh, the Maccabees, or the Maccabean family, and it's called the Hasmonean dynasty. And they decided, we're going to fight off the Greeks. We're going to get an army together. We're going to fight them off. And they were incredibly um, able to succeed for, for a, a, a brief time. So for some years, Israel was independent. Um, and there's actually some history that says they really used uh, palm trees. As they talked about freedom, as they fought off the Greeks, they said, we love the palm tree. We're going to take this image of a palm tree, and they made coins and put the palm tree on a coin, and it symbolized freedom, like freedom. Our country is free again. And they used the palm branches, and it actually says that Simon Maccabeus, two centuries earlier, walked in with, quote, with praise and palm branches and with hymns and songs as he entered Jerusalem. So this revolutionary leader trying to defend Israel uses the palm branch, he walks into Jerusalem as this other kind of king, this warrior king, and he walks in and people are excited and celebrating, but it didn't, it didn't last very long. It didn't keep going. Then the Greeks took over some more and then the Romans took over. So I want you to imagine the people right, aching for deliverance, aching for a Messiah, aching for God to speak to them Again, having this prophecy from Zechariah 9.9 about a king, being Passover time, having all this history of, of military leaders rising up and not being quite legit but trying to get freedom, and then they see Jesus coming in with a bunch of people from the Galilee region, and they start saying Hosanna to this Jesus and throwing their coats on the ground. As they call out Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This comes from Psalm 118, which says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And where it says save us in the beginning of verse 25, that actually means Hosanna. Hosanna is a really interesting word that originally just meant save us. And then they kept using that word Hosanna and it became used as more of a general way of praising to say Hosanna like in a song. But the roots were save us. So Jesus is coming in on a donkey and the people are saying, echoing Psalm 118, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus steps into this story, but he does it on a donkey. And it's one of those things where if, if you've grown up in church, you probably heard the donkey part, and it might even just, okay, he went on a donkey. But I want you to think about it. They're looking for a king to deliver them. They're looking for God to move, and Jesus comes in on the colt of a donkey in his great procession into this big, impressive city, Jerusalem. Jesus comes on a donkey. One of the favorite things I found in trying to study this passage was somebody that wrote, can you imagine if the USA had a gigantic 4th of July parade that was on TV, and it was, a, it was a momentous big thing in our country, and we had this huge thing, and whoever was the president at the time got on a unicycle in the 4th of July parade, and rode in on a unicycle at the back of the parade, and we would all say, like, what in the, what is, what in the world is he doing on a unicycle? That's what, so I want you to imagine now, somebody being, entering the prophecy of a king, coming into this big city, and people saying Hosanna, but he's on a donkey. He's on a little donkey, and he's riding into Jerusalem. Jesus, over and over again in his ministry, in his teaching, in him being the Messiah, in him being God, he, he takes these ways that we think about life, about success, about power, and he just flips them on their head with love and compassion and laying your life down for other people and humility. He's a different kind of king. As I thought about this different kind of king coming in on a colt of a donkey, the true king, the strong king, but coming in on a donkey, I was reflecting on how much our culture can worship whatever is the most brash and strong and violent and egotistical and macho sometimes. It's reflecting around like our culture, and we might say we don't care about what's in movies and things, but there is this, this part of our American culture that loves that brash, just pure warrior hero. I was thinking about all the action movies I saw growing up with people who would just beat everybody else up and they would save, right? They would like save their family or save the country by beating everybody up and being really cool and macho. Like I'm thinking about you know, Tom Cruise and Bruce Willis like when I was a kid. And then moving on, now we have like Chris Helmsworth and people are superheroes and they're like, they're so big and tough and strong and there's something in that kind of a, a savior that is, that is somehow compelling to us to follow this big macho, amazing person that's gonna deliver us. Um, I was sitting in my dentist chair. Have you ever been in the dentist chair and the person working on you keeps asking you questions like you're having a conversation, and you're like, I don't know if I'm supposed to answer the question, I feel rude, but I can't answer your question, so I'm just gonna be like, ah, and like, just keep talking. So I was, I was sitting there in the dentist, and it was a really kind, wonderful person, I wanna make that clear if she ever hears this for some weird reason. Wonderful person, working on my teeth. 
And she said, you should take your kids to see Aquaman. Have you seen Aquaman? I'm like, uh. She's like, well, you should take them to see, it's a really good movie. Have you heard about it? And I'm like, you know, uh. And she says, it's really great. And Aquaman is a great character. And he is so muscular. Like, he's just so muscular. It's amazing. He's just so, and she keeps saying, I'm like, okay. Uh. And he goes, and and he has his shirt off the, like the whole movie, his shirt is off. I mean, just the whole movie, his shirt is off. It's so, it's such a great movie. And his shirt is off the whole time and he's so muscular. And I'm like, okay, like, and she keeps going on. But something in that moment like hit me. So I had to go home and watch like the trailer, right? Like, who is this? And I was immediately very intimidated because his, his upper body is like this big, right? It's like that actor is like this big and has no body fat and he, and I'm looking at it, but there's something in me that wants to be like him, right? Like I watch that and I'm like, oh, I kind of want to be, right, brash and tough. And I, and I want to be able to beat anybody up to save my family. Like there's something in that that is compelling to our idea of what it is to be a leader or what it is to be strong, what it is to be brave, what it is to save people or defend people. And Jesus is strong and he is brave. But in this moment, Jesus taught us. Jesus came in on a donkey. Jesus came in to Jerusalem humbly. Jesus came in with a ragtag group of people from the middle of nowhere who were his followers. And they went and he went in on a donkey. And then a few days later, he laid his life down out of love. He laid his life down for us. He let himself be tortured and killed for us. And he even was on a cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is the kind of strong king that we serve, who is humble and who is loving and is strong, a king who lays his life down. And I want to think about those, how they worshipped him in that moment. He's on the donkey going in, and it says the people around him, his followers, were yelling, Hosanna, and they threw their cloaks on the ground in front of him so that the donkey could go on. Out of honor, out of worship, out of praise for this king, they threw their cloaks on the ground. I was talking to my youngest daughter about the story, like trying it out on her, how I was going to tell this, and I said, but you got to understand, like they didn't have 20 coats back then. Like my daughters have like 20 jackets for some reason because they're going to lose them. My son loses a hoodie like once a week. So they have like 20 hand-me-down jackets, right? This is American culture. I, back then, they had like one tunic and one cloak maybe. So to take the one thing you have or the one or two and to throw it on the dirt and to let a donkey walk over it, they wanted to worship to honor this Jesus. So they took what they had and they threw it on the ground and they yelled, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They yelled, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. Verse 10, 11, and when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. I want to point out that, you know, sometimes we can wish we were there in that story. Like, I read this, I'm like, I wish I could, I wish I could be there, like time travel, and be there and see what that was like, and feel the energy of those people yelling Hosanna in the highest and throwing their cloaks on the ground. But what they didn't have is they didn't really know what was going on, most of the people. 
They were captivated by Jesus. They were starting to understand he said he was going to be the king or the Messiah, but they really didn't know everything about who he was, even his followers. Um, in John 12, 16, in John's account of this same story, he points out that even his disciples didn't fully understand who Jesus was yet. Um, verses 14 to 16, John 12 says, And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. So even his disciples, they don't fully get it, right? Like they're kind of stumbling into, okay, he's the king. Oh, he's the true king. Oh, he's the Messiah. Like he's the Messiah. He's going to save us. Okay, he's fulfilling the prophecy. Okay, he's connected to God. Is he the son of God? And they're like slowly, even later, having to piece together everything that was happening in front of them. It took Jesus explaining it to them again later when Jesus came back from the dead, explaining them, and then they're like, oh, I get some of this now. Like, I get how it all worked together. But what I want to say is we actually have the benefit of having this whole thing. Like, we have all the Jesus stories. We have the Sermon on the Mount. We have the stories of explaining who Jesus is. We can go back to Zechariah and to Psalm 118 and then read the Jesus stories, and we can read about who Jesus said he is. And we can understand that Jesus is the son of God who came to lay down his life for us as a lamb. And we can understand this and, and worship this God. But what I want to ask you is, as we think about worshiping this God, can we worship with our whole lives and our everything like those people did? Because I'm imagining those followers. Imagine those followers who walked miles and miles and miles and miles to follow this Jesus. And they probably didn't even fully understand that he was God. And they're following this Jesus, right? Leaving everything behind. Imagine taking off your cloak and throwing it on the ground in front of a donkey and saying, Hosanna in the highest. And I want to challenge us, what does that look like for us today? If we believe that, the, that this Jesus is the king of kings, the true king, the Son of God. Can we throw our own possessions down? Can we follow him wherever he goes and lay our life down and say, Jesus, Hosanna, save us. You're the one who's going to save me, Jesus. Nothing else. You're the King of Kings. You can save me. So I throw my whole life down. I throw my cloak down. I'll walk wherever I need to go. I'll throw my life down to worship this Jesus. Hosanna in the highest to the true king. Um, I want to invite you to one practice this week. Uh, most weeks we've been talking about a Lenten practice, a way of praying or confessing or lamenting during the week. Um, we're on, can you turn your Bible to Matthew 21 if you, if you don't, or if you have one near you? Turn it to Matthew 21. So if you look, I just, we just went through the first 11 verses of chapter 21, okay? And Matthew goes through chapter 28. So it's a few pages in your Bibles. Um, so it roughly works out to a week from now is Easter. And hopefully we'll see you next week and we can celebrate Easter together. But I want to put out an idea for your Lenten practice this, this week. As you take one more week to fast, um, would you consider reading through these last few chapters of Matthew? 
of reading through the last few days of Jesus' life, of seeing what he did. He goes into the temple and throws people out of the temple for taking advantage of people and making money in the temple. He, he tells some more stories. He teaches some more, has some more interactions with people. Could you read that last few chapters and then next week we can come back and celebrate the King of Kings and worship together. So I'm going to say a prayer for us then we're going to enter a time of, of worship with music and with communion. And I think as we near Easter, it gives us an extra pause to think about these communion tables, to think about the Lamb of God who died for us, the body of Christ broken for us, and the blood of Christ shed for us to offer us salvation. Hosanna, save us. So we can come forward and, and honor that sacrifice of Jesus this morning by communion. Um, Chelsea is up here ready to pray for you, and I'll be sitting over here ready to pray for you during uh, the songs. Let me pray for us now. Dear God, let us worship you with song, with our voices, but let us worship you with our lives. Let us worship you, the true king. Let us lay everything before you and throw everything on the ground in front of you and worship you, God. Amen.